The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 176 for Monday, November 17th, 2008. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab. I am Dave Hamilton here from Sunny. Austin, Texas, except it's not sunny. It's pitch black outside because it's nighttime. And John, you're in Connecticut. Hi, John. It's chilly. It is chilly. We may get snow tonight. I heard that there might be snow in New England this evening. Yeah, it's interesting. It'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, it has been one heck of a day today and not all good. I think I got about two and a half hours of sleep last night, flew here this morning, had a meeting, had to deal with some unfortunate staffing stuff that's never fun, and then, uh, and then I've got a headache, and now I'm here. So, but you know, I'm actually happy to be doing the show. So <laughs> oh, that sets the stage. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, but we do have uh, we do have quite a bit of quite a bit of stuff to talk about here. Oh, yeah, nice. that's right. This is the best part of the day, as Pilot Pete chimes <laughs> in on Skype. Uh, so I I've got uh, we've got. Some questions about audio, which is interesting considering everything I went through to make it so that hopefully you're all actually hearing this show. Uh, Windows remote control, some other stuff, printer presets, some tips from you, some tips from us, some answers from us, some questions from you. And as promised, John, I wanted to tell you and our listeners about some cool little travel gizmos that I've got. So uh, the, the first thing that I wound up picking up is, is a thing called the Belkin Mini Surge Protector with USB Charger. Now, what this thing is, is it's, uh, it's a little brick that plugs into a power outlet, and it swivels so it can plug into an outlet that's kind of oriented either way. It's got uh, a surge protector inside it, first and foremost, and, you know, standard surge protector, it's got $75,000 worth of equipment coverage and, uh, and all that good stuff. It's got three grounded AC outlets on it, two, and this is the cool part, Two USB outlets, so you can charge your iPod or iPhone just by plugging the dock cable right into this thing. Or if you've got, like, I know with my Trio, I had a, uh, a USB charger or a USB cable for it. It charges that fine. It would charge my Kindle, although the Kindle charges with a real trickle charge, so I'm not sure that uh, it would get anything done. But uh, and, uh, and, and the thing costs 20 bucks. I think I got it for $19.99. Totally perfect, and that way when I'm in a hotel... And, uh, and I don't have my, my UPSs and all that stuff from home. I am still surge protected and I get three outlets for the price or five outlets. If you count the USB for the price of one. So, yeah, I like the USB because of course you could do that with your computer, but I think you typically have to leave the computer on to charge things. And that's just, uh, you know, I've actually found that with my current MacBook pro, and I, I think this might be, uh, the case with the older ones that if you're charging something, if the computer is on charge, and asleep, the USB still sees power pour out of it. So, uh, but but it, it's weird. A lot of times, I find if I plug a USB thing in while the computer's sleeping, it wakes the computer up, yes. and then it, it gets all. Uh, That's what I found, but, but I suspect, and Pete confirms. Well, I guess it, it depends on the the driver or the device itself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so so that that's one thing, and then the other thing that I I talked briefly about last week is the Kensington Mini Battery Pack and Charger for iPhone or iPod. This is a little uh, thing. It's almost the same width as the iPod. It's their iPhone rather. I think it's it's slightly narrower and, and slightly thinner, 
And it, it has a dock connector sitting on the top of it and a mini USB connector on the bottom. And so the dock connector plugs into the iPhone and it will power it directly or it will charge the iPhone um, it, from the battery pack to the phone. So you plug it in. I've found it takes less than an hour to transfer the charge from the battery pack to the iPhone. And uh, really handy. It, it, it kind of adds, I, I don't think it doubles your, your charge capacity for the day, but it I think it adds about, I don't know, maybe 60%. Uh, so, you know, certainly for those days when you're traveling or using your iPhone quite a bit, you plug this thing in, you can continue using it with this thing plugged in. It's actually very comfortable. Of course, it extends the length of the iPhone by about an inch and a half, but uh, but not, not overly awkward uh, or bulky, and it still fits in my pocket great. So, And the cool thing is you can charge the iPhone from the device and charge the battery pack at the same time. So if you plug the battery pack into the iPhone and then the, the wall outlet into the battery pack, it charges everything all at once. So it's actually pretty cool. Cool. And uh, just a, a quick mention on, on travel tips and then we'll move on. Um, I always, now you, you have a different strategy here, I guess, which is you bring a charger, but um, I always get, so my camera, I just got a new camera. I got three batteries for that because I usually take a lot of pictures in the course of a day. Um, my Mac, I have two batteries. My cell phone, I have two batteries. Um, I guess the only thing is, and well, it depends on if they do something proprietary, but make sure you bring the charger as well. I've had more than one trip where I forgot the charger for all the batteries I brought. Ooh, Whoops. that's not good. Yeah, I mean, most devices now, like the, the one that aggravates me, and I was going to mention before, is my Motorola, Motorola Crazer. It requires me to run a special program on the Mac so that it will charge off of it. it it's really weird on some Macs. They just don't. They see it as a device, but they don't charge it, and it's like they should. The power is there, so there's. That's why I mentioned it. Sometimes is a weird driver issue, or yeah, device that's issue, where because my expectation is almost anything will charge off of a USB port when the machine's on. So, anyways, and I, then I also, wonder if your I wonder if your Crazer would charge with the uh, USB ports on this Belkin thing that I that I was talking about. Yeah, let's. Yeah, we should try it. Yeah, we will. Um, yeah, sooner than you think. Yeah, I, know. I told you I got a new toy for my my visit, but we'll uh, oh, yeah. talk about right. that maybe at the end. Okay. Um, and then also bring an Ethernet cable with you because a lot of times, even if you're in a hotel, so sometimes either the wireless doesn't work and they have wired, but they don't have a cable or they'll charge you some exorbitant fee. But always have a, a Cat Five, Cat Five E, whatever, um, either real cable or you know they have ones that you know little compact cases, which may not be great for full speed, but they're better than nothing. So uh, you know always you know look around for a wall to plug into to get access um you know being ethical of course and not <laughs> well we'll stop there there you go yeah so as, as for and i didn't even think about this but i am now using the mike guyver um uh macbook pro adapter kit to charge my my macbook pro so it's it's um it's a it's actually a kensington power pack and the power pack can either be plugged into the wall uh, with a standard AC outlet or into a cigarette lighter type outlet and, and the alternate type that, that exists on some airplanes. So it's sort of an all in one thing. And I got here to the uh, backbeat media office here in Austin and thought that I had forgotten the piece that plugs into the wall. So I could charge it in the, in the car uh, or on an airplane if it had the outlet, but I couldn't charge it here in the wall, but I actually found that, uh, that I had it, but yeah, make sure you have all your pieces. Cause that was, uh, 
that was sort of a revolting development when I thought that I didn't have a way to charge my MacBook Pro and thought, you know, I brought all this stuff and now I'm going to have to go to the Apple store and spend the 60 bucks and buy a new charger. So it was nice not to have to do that. Didn't you say you make a list and check it twice? Yes, I do. I am obsessed. But I, yeah, I do make a a packing list. I actually have it in FileMaker and uh, it tracks the, the amount of each item that I need per day on the trip. So like for the charger, it only needs one for the entire trip, but like for like socks, it need, I need one pair of socks per day. And so it tracks all that and calculates it out. And now I'm, I'm shining a light on, on how obsessive and compulsive I might tend to be at certain times in my life. And, and perhaps we should, perhaps we should flick that light off now. Um, pilot Pete saying it needs a barcode scanner to check it off as it goes in the bag. That's, oh, that would be totally awesome if I could do it with the iPhone camera, right? And I could barcode my socks and underwear. That'd be great. I think my wife would throw me out of the house. Uh, (laughs) uh, so yeah. So the, um, uh, where were we here? The, 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 the packing list and charging and all that good stuff. I don't know crazy do we have anything else to talk about here or is it time to go <laughs> I think it's time to move on a little okay we will move on so our first sponsor for this show yes. is barebone software with bb edit 9 and bb edit 9 brings a couple of very cool features that that haven't been here for a while the first and foremost if you ask me and i think you did is modeless find and replace windows so now when you're doing uh searches and replaces, especially across multiple files, you can have that search window and move it into the background and still work with your documents. This is huge. This is a radical change from the way it's been since version one. So one through eight, all modal, all stuck all the time. Version nine, total, absolute freedom. So that's number one. Integration with MobileMe, you can sync your preferences and your entire uh, BB Edit uh, application support folder, you can keep those synchronized, which preserves your text factory, factories and clippings. You can edit in results windows. So if you're doing a search and it shows you something, boom, you're editing right there. You don't have to dig and find the document. And it has completion. So as you're typing either words, and it'll complete from the dictionary, or functions, or um, you know PHP calls, or anything like that, Boom, it com- totally completes it out for you, and, uh, and the, the interface is really slick. You just type tab, and boom, it, it finishes it just like you were on the command line. So this is BB Edit 9. It's 125 bucks for the full version, 30 bucks if you're upgrading from a previous version, and 49 if you are a student uh, to buy the uh, educational version. So that's BB Edit 9 from Barebones Software at barebones.com. I think it's time to go on to Alan's tip here, John. Is it not? Yes. Okay. So I need to dig here and find, and I believe I have it. So Alan writes, I really enjoy your podcast, which I discovered a couple episodes ago and wanted to follow up on your advice to send audio output to multiple devices. I really like Audio Hijack Pro, but buying it just for this may be a little overkill. I had the exact same question a few months ago, and I contacted Rogue Amiibo to know if rogue amoeba to know if there was a way to do it using sound source a free application that lets you choose the different input and output sound devices from the menu bar here is the answer i received if those two devices show up as separate outputs you can use audio midi setup accessible at the bottom of the sound source menu or in your applications utilities folder to create an aggregate device 
This is just a virtual device which combines one or more physical devices. Select audio, open aggregate device editor, and you can set up the device to then combine your speakers and your headset, then use the aggregate device as your output. Thanks again for your great podcast, and thank you for sending in that tip, Alan. That's awesome. Thank you very much. So that's pretty cool. You can take one audio output source and send it to multiple places using this aggregate device. Now, these have to be hardware audio. You're not sending this to software. You're not creating a loop inside the system. Uh, it, it's only for actual existing hardware. If it shows up in your output menu in the sound system preference pane, then that's where it goes, I think. Right, John? Is that what I'm, I'm to understand? Um, I don't know. I'm pretty sure. I was actually asking, do you need sound source to do this? It sounds like you don't. That's Rogue correct. Has a way to get to this. So yeah, okay. yeah, you do not. Sound source is free from Rogue Amoeba, and it's worth checking out. They've got a bunch of freebies there, and we can link to those. But uh, but yeah, you do not absolutely have to use sound source. What I'll sound source lets it. you do is is it puts a menu in the menu bar that lets you pick what device is your sound is going to come in through and out from. In, from, and out to is the more correct way to say that because it actually matches what's happening. But, uh, yeah, there okay. you go. Hi. How you I'll, doing? I'll try it. Okay, what's good. the worst that could happen? Uh, don't try it now. No. Yeah, because you'll stop hearing me or I'll <laughs> stop hearing you. And that's no good. We're, this show, so I don't know why. I've done this with Audio Hijack Pro on the road many times. I thought this time I would try it with Wiretap Studio. It crashed and burned in every test that I did, so I had to un uninstall all that stuff. Back to Audio Hijack Pro. I could not get Skype to route to my one final recording thing, so I have to record this in three tracks. One for me, one for John on Skype, one for uh, Yojimbo, which is what uh, plays the audio comments. And, uh, and now I'm going to have to, when we're done with the show, I'm going to have to stitch it all together in, uh, in GarageBand. And speaking of audio comments. Jeff, take it away. Hey, John and Dave. It's Jeff from Denver, Colorado. I was just listening to episode 174, I believe, and Mark had called in with the question about setting his default printer per application. One solution, even though it won't do everything, in the printer dialog box, you can set preset so it can go to its labeler, set a preset that has the right paper size, whatever other options he needs, and so then when he goes to each application, he can just call up the printer, call up the preset, and he's done. It's not a perfect solution, but it should get him most of the way there. So that, uh, talk to you later. Bye. Pretty cool, huh, Joe? I like it. It's uh, it's uh, straightforward. I guess the only tip I'd have is uh, make sure you give the name, make it something meaningful. <laughs> name it after the application that you want to tie it to or something like that. Uh, don't go with the default name. Usually the default name is not, not terribly helpful for these uh, presets. Yeah, that's a smart idea. That's good. I like that. I think I've tried it before, and then, you know, I look at the list, and I'm like, what? And they, yeah, the, uh, yeah. when I was a, a wee geek, I'd, I'd name profiles, like, after the printer itself, which is... Yeah. A wee geek? I like that. Uh -huh. <laughs> that's good. Geek in, geek in training? Geek in diapers? <laughs> I don't know. Not not quite that. Okay. No. That was just yeah. Got it. Can't be a geek at that point, can you? I don't know. When 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 does that start? Does it start at birth or is this something is it the is it environmental or or is it is it nature or is it nurture? Which is it? Mm. What how is the geeks thing started, right? We could can we have the nature and nurture argument here and totally twist that around? 
No. No. All right. Then we better move on. So we've had uh, a couple of comments in email and audio, and I put it in the agenda tonight, John, and we're actually going to talk about it at the spot that it is in the agenda, which is wow. huge, given the day I've had that we're actually following the agenda. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Contact information for us. So audio comments. We love audio comments. That's always good. 206-666-GEEK is the phone number, and Geek John is? Oh, it's 4335. That's right. Or um, what else is there? There's an email address. Do you know the email address, Uh, John? No, I forgot it. Oh, Rich said you had to say it, because if I say it, he won't remember it. But if you say it, he will. What? I I don't know. Uh, It doesn't make any sense Feedback at um, MacGeekGab? That's right. (sighs) MacGeekGab.com. Yes. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Or, and we've, we've proven that it works. Actually, we haven't proven a darn thing. You have proven that it works. You can Skype to MacGeekGab, and it will let you send it through, and we will actually receive the voicemail. In fact, I think at least one of the voicemails that you'll hear tonight, uh, or maybe even the one that you heard from Jeff, uh, came from Skype. I know we, we had at least one that got incorporated into the show. So, yay us, and yay Skype, and yay you. Yay, everybody iTunes comments, we like those. All right, time to go on to Roger. Roger? No, isn't that interesting? I must be thinking of Queen. Uh, who? Well, I saw Taylor. No, and, Taylor. And so I said Roger. Taylor. I don't know why I uh, did that. I must be thinking of, of Queen. I don't know why. Hi, John and Dave. Uh, this is Taylor from Texas. And uh, you all have a great show. Keep up the good work. Uh, I've got a question for you. Uh, I'm trying to do uh, tech support for some family members uh, over long-distance telephone. And uh, when these family members are very uh, novice Windows users, that provides, uh, you know, that makes it very difficult, of course. So I was wondering if there's a way to uh, have, uh, to be able to go from my Mac and connect to their uh, Windows PC and be able to control their computer uh, and, and preferably a way that doesn't cost too much money and a, and a way that will be easy for them to set up. Uh, my contact information. Uh... We'll stop it there. Uh, yeah, so I've done this before, John, using logmein.com, which is a cro- now a cross-platform solution uh, that allows you to do exactly what Taylor is asking about, where you install a... Uh, essentially a host application on, in this case, the Windows machine, and then you attach that to an account at logmein.com, and then you connect with your Mac either over the web or using an application. I think it'll work either way. And you connect to that same logmein account, and then magically it traverses all the firewalls and lets you see it. And I believe it's still, logmein is still free for individual accounts, which sounds like it would for uh, what Taylor wants here. What do you what do you think about that, John? Um, the thing that I've used in the past, though it does cost money, is um, I guess it's now Cisco WebEx. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have something called PC Now, though, though it does support Mac as well. Um, and I've used this, uh, it, it's been a little while, but it was, it was actually working with a vendor who needed to remotely configure a piece of network equipment that they had put on our network. And so this basically provided a secure tunnel where they could come in, um, you know, WebEx brokered the, uh, the, the whole thing, and, uh, you know, you can allow remote control like some other things. Um, it's pay. They have monthly plans. It looks like they start at, you know, 
twelve ninety five a month uh, on up. So it, it's not it, if you do a lot of frequent remote access stuff, it could be worth it. But but there you know there are other things we're going to talk about. But from what I've experienced, it's very easy to use. You know you, the 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 setup is uh, you know pretty straightforward. It gets through firewalls and stuff like that. In our case, it it did even though we had a firewall. So they figure some way to create a secure tunnel. So um. You know, I give that a shot. They have a button here that says "Try it free." So, hey, you know, try it for free. See if it works for you. But um, it'll love some bucks. And then, I guess you know, another option I see on my uh, list here. And now this is where it involves work. And it sounds like the the people he's working with are not going to be technical enough, perhaps, to uh, start mucking about with routers and stuff. But you know, you could do VNC, remote desktop connection, or, or you know, because. Uh, though of course he'd have to in some cases run. Well, no, he could he could do that with a Mac. Okay, they're Mac clients. Um, yeah. Uh, so VNC remote desktop, but that usually entails you know poking a hole in a firewall or something, and that can get kind of squirrely. Or um, but they have a, a and also I've noticed, Dave. Uh, I was I, I just found this though I haven't actually used it. I've I've seen videos of it in action. Windows XP remote assistant assistants. Yeah, that's what it's called, which yeah. I guess is a form, you know, is a variation of these. I don't know if they use standard protocols or some proprietary, um, but I've seen videos of it quickly, and it, you know, looks like if everything goes well through the firewall and stuff, that's, you know, I guess you can explicitly grant people, you know, control of your computer and stuff like that, like with the other platforms we talked about, various levels of control, because sometimes you don't want someone to see and do everything on your computer. All right, right. Yeah, I, the the remote assistance thing I've done, um, I believe it uses Windows. Re- proprietary protocol there um the the issue with that is um if you've got it set up and i think this is a difference between xp pro and home though it's been a little while since i've done this i think with xp pro you can set it up to always allow a connection in whereas with xp home uh, you have to do the remote assistance request um and and again, it's been a long day, so I, I might be clouding this up. But I know that when you do the remote assistance request, it emails out a file to the recipient, uh, to the person that you are asking to come and join your network. Yes, and th- I just went through that, actually. I went through the steps here, and the final result is a file that you're supposed to give to somebody, and somehow it brokers the connection, I guess. from In my experience, that file is on its own useless to the Mac client, Uh at least it was the last time I checked it. And what I had to do with one client was I took that file and I opened it actually in BB edit and, and looked for the IP address and the port to connect to. And then I opened the Mac uh, RDC client, the Microsoft remote desktop control client. I think that's what we call it. And, uh, and, and typed that in manually and then typed in the password that they had given me. And, and sure enough, it, it let me in, but it was, it was not for the faint at heart uh, to do that from a Mac, but uh but you know, with with parallels and and all that other stuff, maybe maybe it's okay. Maybe you don't need to worry about it. Maybe you can you know do it from inside there. Yes. Okay. Uh, Airman Rich has a very interesting question, and I'm not sure that we have an answer. Hi, John and Dave. It's Rich from Salem, Mass. Calling. Here's my question. Thanks for a great show, by the way. You guys rock. Uh, here's my question. The company I work for puts out uh, manuals in PDF format that we use all the time. And I want to take notes and highlight in that. And I know PDF pen is the way to go for that. But the real problem that I'm wondering if you can help me solve is what do I do with all these notes and highlightings which can accumulate over years to uh, move them into 
the new version when they just reissue version 2. Um, and they can do little reversions. And I know I can probably merge old pages into the new manual on a page-by-page -page basis, but that can become really cumbersome as I put notes in this many hundred page PDF over time. So I'm wondering if there's something a little more automated or uh, smoother that would uh, that would do that. Thanks again for a great show and uh, looking forward to uh, the possible answer. Take care. Bye. So off the top of your head, do you have anything uh, that, 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 that jumps out to you on this one, John? Well, um, a general thought I had, though I don't know Acrobat enough, is uh, my thought would be, is there a way to export notes and highlights, which sounds like that's what he wants to maintain, is the notes and highlights between versions. Is that? Yeah, that's exactly right. That's sound exactly right? right. So, yep. I, uh, and I found a, a little tutorial uh, online, Layers Magazine. It looks like they write about Adobe stuff. And uh, th they suggest that there are ways to keep track of this. I didn't read through the whole thing. It, it, it was a little bit long. Um, but it, it talked about you know how to deal with them and and a, a few strategies though i'm i'm wondering also if adobe has a product that would have to probably have to be server based and then it'd be kind of a pain to use that you know keeps documents and stuff in sync so that you don't run into this thing which i guess is uh, the general category is content management systems which kind of you know avoid this problem right of of things falling out of sync though there may be reasons to you know keep them separate so i guess yeah that's a long way to say um i'm not sure <laughs> I, I, I contacted the folks at, at Smile on my Mac, and they said that PDF Pen doesn't have an explicit way to merge notes from an older document into an updated version of the same document. Um, and, and they went on to point out that that's probably a process which depends on the document and, and how you're using it. For example, the, does the text of the new document reflow such that it, it's, a, it's at a different height on the page as well as maybe even a different page number? Uh, but... PDF Pen is scriptable, and uh, and they pointed out, of course, that they offer free copies to members of the Apple Consultants Network. So perhaps there's an enterprising uh, individual out there that'll hear this show and say, "Hey, I can make this work. I know how to script something like this." And my guess is it would be a fairly rudimentary, maybe two steps above rudimentary exercise in in Apple Script to parse through a document and and apply these changes and move them around. You'd have to yeah, you'd have to do some parsing of of where and and when and why, and drop some breadcrumbs and follow them up and put on your red cape and all that good stuff. But I think it could be done. And put in your put on your propeller beanie. Do you have your red cape and your propeller beanie, John? Mm. No. Oh, that's not going to work. Just the out. beanie, not Just the cape. Beanie. Well, we'll get you the cape. We'll take care of that when you're up for Thanksgiving. <laughs> <clears throat> Our second sponsor for the show is Devon Technologies with Devon Think. And Devon Think is a single database for all your digital files, from shopping receipts to research papers, emails, PDFs, Word documents, multimedia files, and more. Uh, the folks at Devon call it a second brain. Devon Think uh, is built on artificial intelligence that is unique to the Mac, and it actually assists you in filing, organizing, and searching your data. So you dump your documents in, and then it, it makes kind of some some uh, assumptions and, and interacts with, with your data in a way that when you go to search for it, uh, it might pull up stuff that it thinks you're looking for that, you're, that you haven't actually asked for. It communicates with, uh, like I said, all kinds of different documents, uh, a free trial is, of course, available. 
and then it's uh, it's thirty nine ninety five for the personal edition of Devin Think, and this is from Devin Dash Technologies dot com. So Devin Think, your single database and second brain for all of your digital files at Devin Dash Technologies dot com. Thirty nine ninety five personal and a free trial is available. All right, uh, we have a question for you, John. Yeah. <sighs> from Mike. And Mike asks, in episode 174, you mentioned that you have had issues with your time machine backups, possibly as a result of improperly removing the backup drive or shutting down. Last week, I was leaving the house quickly and didn't have time to wait for time machine to stop the backup it was doing. I unmounted the drive, even though time machine wasn't ready for me to do it yet. As a result, I have not been able to get time machine to backup since. It says it is starting and then just sits there forever making zero progress. Literally, I have left it for about four days with no progress whatsoever. I think this is the same situation you ran into, John, and part of the reason you dislike Time Machine. The question is, what did you do to recover from this failure? John? Okay, and here's what I did. Okay, so I go. ran the airport utility, Uh huh. went to the you know time capsule um, that I have, there's a disks icon, and then there's the drive, and I clicked on the button that says erase, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. And the, and and the dot, dot, dot means? Well, as we know, the dot, dot, dot means here comes another dialog box. As I, I, I remember you were uneasy with doing this at some point in the last show. Mm -hmm. or show Several shows several ago, shows but ago. you had yep. faith in me. And, and uh, yes. So, anyways, that's what I did. I, I gave up. Uh, uh, now... Uh, Shortly after that, we got a tip, and I think it, it suggested using um, uh, FSCK underscore HFS, which is, I guess, a HFS-tuned version Yes. Um, of a nice disk repair utility. I guess the normal FSCK is a, you know, just a general utility or the Unix. Um, I didn't see that tip until it was too late, but uh, I'll try it the next time. Now, I, what I did notice, though, is if you're in the same pane in the uh, utility... The one that gives you an erase option, there's also a archive dot, dot, dot option. And that lets you save to an airport disk, which uh, at this point I do not have an extra external USB drive, but that's what you use the uh, USB port on the time capsule for, is perhaps putting another drive. Now, on the one hand, it sounds kind of silly to back up a backup drive, but maybe it isn't. Not in this case, it's not. <laughs> Although maybe, Since maybe I'm it is. not the only one. Yeah, and and you know I think this is just a lingering problem. I don't know if Apple has uh, acknowledged it, but I, I've seen enough of it where I'm still uneasy. But wired disk usage, like my new work machine, I have a you know time time machine external firewire drive. No problem. I trust it 100. percent Works great. We have had Same some. With my G5. We have had some listeners say that that Apple is aware of and working on this problem. So one can only hope that we'll see some sort of uh, update or or patch or something. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. I suspect it's to the you know unpredictable behavior of the connection. It, 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 yeah. To me, it makes sense. Yeah. But thinking how I designed that to work efficiently but error free is a, a challenge. Yeah, so. I mean think yeah, think about this, right? You you're doing this this backup where not only is it just copying files across, but it's actually comparing and moving and repointing hard links and pruning out old data, right? And and doing all of that stuff in this one magical container that it uh it you know totally hides all the the guts and glory from from you and you just get to see it work, right? 
imagine how difficult that is to do and at the same time make it so that if uh, us idiot users just go and yank the cable either actually you know in reality or virtually with a wireless connection uh and and then suddenly you know you've got to start this over at some point you don't know where you were and you don't know where you are and i mean that that's it's pretty intense um yep. it, it, that's a huge onus on on the programming team but uh but yeah i mean it you know it's a it, it's a it's a cool thing i like yep. it now let me ask you this you can hook up a hub right because right now i have a printer Yes, USB printer. So I'm sure a powered hub probably would be the the best thing. Yeah, I, I from what I understand, you can hook up a powered hub to the USB port on the back of either an Airport Extreme or a time capsule and hang multiple devices, printers and or a disc off cool. of uh, off of that. Yeah, yeah. All right, it's pretty Gonna good. Try stuff. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, I had a, a great little gem of wisdom to share while we were going through there and it has it slipped away one little fleeting moment so we'll go on to andrew and andrew has boy if i think if i think that uh, i'm having trouble answering geeky questions i really shouldn't read this one and yet here we go andrew writes i just wanted to ask if you wouldn't mind including in a future show a couple of things that you have touched on in the past but explaining them in a little more detail Specifically, I would like to know how to have the same IP on my Wi-Fi and Ethernet adapters so that if I disconnect from the Wi-Fi, the Ethernet kicks in or vice versa without losing the connection so that my connection wouldn't drop. I would also like to hear a bit more about pipe as you touched on it before. For example, is it possible to have two pipes set? I.e., if I had an 8 megabit connection, could I set up a 1 megabit line for Skype and say a 5 to 6 megabit line for online gaming or a file transfer while leaving the remainder for other people in the house to surf or email? Okay, two questions. We will answer them in the order they were received. Number one, with IPs, yes, this is totally possible, and I do this back at the office. I have set one IP as the IP for my MacBook Pro. You can't do it with DHCP. You have to manually assign. So you go into system preferences, network, and then choose uh, airport and set it to manually assign the IP address in the TCP IP tab and set it up for whatever IP address you want that to have. Best to look at how your DHCP server, i.e. your router, is set up. A lot of times, you know, I know with, uh, with the Apple routers, the first 100 addresses are set up uh, to be um, assigned by the router. So you might want to do something higher with an Apple uh, address, maybe start at you know, the same first three octets and then .150 maybe as your, uh, as your last one to start just to get it way up there. With a Linksys router, it's the opposite. The Linksys routers start at .100, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, John. And typically the way these routers are set up, you can go from .1 to .253, we'll say. So pick something that is not in the automatically assigned range. And for my computer, I chose .15 because that's what I chose that day. And I assigned it to both airport and ethernet. Very important then to set one as the priority. And how you do that is you drag the order. So I have ethernet at the top. So if the ethernet's connected, it ignores airport. But it is magic. I have had a file transfer going from somewhere in the outside world, unplug the ethernet cable, lags for about a second and a half and then boom the file transfer continues over the airport 
as if it never stopped. So it does totally work and uh, no problem at all. So highly recommend it. Have you ever done anything like that, John? Do you do, do you, are you that obsessive back at, uh, at your setup there? Um, no, I think I DHCP all of them. I was just looking. I think I DHCP all of them. So. All right. Uh, so the second thing, we had talked about what's called dummy net. And uh, I, I found an article at AFP548.com that explains a lot of this. But in, in essence, yeah, you can set up on your Mac multiple pipes uh, and, and route different applications via their, their ports that they're accessed on to these different pipes. And, and what that would allow you to do is limit the amount of bandwidth that any one application uh, could use, which is exactly what Andrew was talking about. He wanted to make sure Skype had its own dedicated one megabit line and then a five to six megabit line for everything else that uh, that's going on. So, yeah, a- absolutely. It, we can go through it here, but but frankly, you're going to get a lot more out of it if you read it and you can actually experiment while you're going through. So so check out this article at AFP548.com for some examples and, of, of how to And I get a, a wee chuckle out of the name of their site. Yeah. Do you, do you know what? AFP being Apple File Protocol, which runs on IP port 548, I think. Mm-hmm. Or is it UDP? I think it's IP. I, I believe it's TCP, yeah. yeah. Or TCP, yeah. yes. Um, is that t- <laughs> I like that. There's there's a geek in there somewhere. It's a big, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not trying to hide. They're, they're waving their geek flag proud. Okay. Um, how are we doing on time? You know, I don't even, I couldn't even tell you how we're doing on time because, uh, because I, I can't see where, where we are here. We're I just, could. We're about, uh, 40. All right. I think we're a little bit shy of 40, but that's okay. Matthew has a question about maximum torrent speeds. Let's see if we can, uh, if we can pull this up. Hi all. I just made the switch over to the Mac platform from the PC. I currently have an older Mac mini P- power PC and a MacBook Intel. Both are up and running on Leopard. I'm connected to the interwebs, or internet, depending on your favorite term, via an Apple Time Capsule router. My question relates to something that I was able to do quite easily with my Dell and my Linksys router. I am an avid fan of the Grateful Dead. However, to get different shows, all the sites I visit require a torrent downloader. I found Transmission and started to use it. My problem lies in the opening of the right port on the router. I have no idea how to open the right port in the airport in Leopard so that I can get the maximum speed possible since these shows are usually seated by a lot of people for a short amount of time. Okay. The idea here, just to kind of explain the overall uh, problem, is torrent, uh, bit torrents are built so that many people have uh, either all or some of the file that needs to be shared, and they all share it kind of with each other. And this is done with software, so you don't have to think, well, do I want to share with Timmy or do I want to share with Johnny or do I want to share with both of them? The software deals with it. One of the things that the software does is it prioritizes sending pieces of the file to other people that are sharing. So you don't necessarily start with the beginning of the file and just download until you get to the end. The file is chopped up into all these segments, and you might get the 54th segment, and then get the 26th segment, and then get the 97th segment, and they all just kind of come in. But if you're sharing, the other people are going, the other clients are going to share with you before they share with someone who is not sharing. So the idea is Matthew wants to make sure his computer is sharing 
so that A, he's contributing to this pool of, uh, of people sharing these, these Grateful Dead shows, and so that, you know, from a very practical standpoint, he downloads the shows much faster. So. Yes, I think the term, um, I've heard it referred to as either leech, well, that's back in our days. Yeah. Right? <laughs> leech or sponge. If you're going to take, you should give. Right. It's just the right thing to do. Yeah. And if you don't give, I think the system kind of enforces it. You, you get shunned. So right, right. But sometimes you may have good intentions and don't know how to share. So go on, please. Yeah, no. So so that's the idea. So the idea is, uh, as with anything, where you want your computer accessible from the outside world, you have to tell your router to allow connections from the outside world to connect to that specific port on your computer. Now, most of these things, most of these software pieces of software programs applications use a protocol called UPnP, Universal Plug and Play. And I believe it was developed by Microsoft, but it's been adopted by quite a few companies out there. And the idea, we've talked about this before, but the idea is instead of you having to go into your airport router or Linksys router and say, okay, when a connection comes in on port 54326, uh, I want you to send it to this particular computer. With Universal Plug and Play, your Mac or PC and the applications on it can talk to the router and say exactly that. Send me that stuff, and then, okay, I'm done, so you can release that connection. It's a beautiful thing. Apple's routers don't support universal plug-and-play. They support something called NAT-PMP, which I believe is Network Address Translation Port Mapping Protocol. does exactly the same thing, but it's a different standard. Now, I think Transmission, which is the program that Matthew's talking about here, uses both. It will support either UPnP or NAT-PMP. So I think it should do this. But if it doesn't, you can go into your airport router and edit port mappings. And, and John, I think you have your router set up in such a way that, uh, that you actually get to see those options. So maybe you can, you can talk us through a little bit of that. Oh, let's see here. I don't know if I have it. Oh, is it access? Yes. Yeah, so I'm sorry. So there's an advanced tab, port mapping. This is in the, the airport Airport in the airport yes. utility? Okay. Airport utility, going in my time capsule. Yep. So yeah, there's an advanced tab. It has a little gear. Then there's port mapping. And then you click on plus, it says service. Choose a service. And it has the list of services that you'd like to share. So it's um, not the most straightforward thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure there's a phone ringing in the office here. Not my office. There's not a whole lot I can do about that, so we're just going to pretend it's not ringing. Is it the red phone? You know, I, I don't even see it ringing, but I, it's got to be in this room. Huh. Well, in any event. Yeah. We so they moving. have an assistant here. I mean, it lets, it, it, I guess it lets you select a service and then select the public and private uh, ports and addresses. So. Okay. There's something there. It's a, It's... Probably as good a setup as you're going to get here because it does differentiate between public and private aspects of the uh, the address. But it's uh, yeah, it's not automatic. So it it could be automatic, and I I think it should be. But but there might be something on on your computer or your network preventing it, Matthew. So you can go in there yeah. and and what you would do is look in your transmission or your BitTorrent program and find uh, usually in the network preferences it will show you the port that it is listening on. And I believe the BitTorrent ports are 9901. Is that right, John? 
Um, a quick search here. I, I, I think, think they were in the 9,000s. So there was a range, I think, sometimes. Yeah, I think, I, I think uh, 90... Uh, I, I, I thought it was... No, and actually, while you're pondering that, yeah, just want to mention something. As I was uh, popping through the uh, airport utility here, it actually does fill in a lot of these fields. If you say choose a service, it'll fill in oh. what is known and give you little warnings. Um, I've, I've never been here before. I've never had to do uh, port mapping uh, recently using other tools, you know, like a VPN, which is what I use a lot for uh, all these secure connections. We, uh, you know, use the Cisco VPN okay. or other, other VPNs. I mean, Apple has a VPN built in, too. At least on the server uh, OS. Okay, so it's it's sixty eight eighty one. I think maybe the ninety uh, that nine thousand range might have been been um, for data for VNC. I think actually is is that I'm confusing the oh. two. But yeah, so six eight eight one, and then usually what happens if if you've got multiple torrents running, they run on different ports. So if you're gonna if you have say three torrents that are downloading and sharing simultaneously. The first one will be on 6881. The second one will be on 6882, 6883, and so on. Uh, the the thing to note is that these are default ports. If your client is set to something different, and this is why you want to check the network preference settings inside whatever client you're using before you do some port mapping, because uh, it could mm -hmm. be that the client says, well, yeah, everybody else uses 6881, but I'm going to use uh, 7247 or, or whatever. You know. Yep. So. Yeah, and also be careful with BitTorrent. If you're hello, yes, hello. And that I got a nasty gram uh, a little while ago from my cable company, basically saying we think we detected naughtiness on your connection, so cut it out, okay? So because they detected naughtiness on your connection, um, that's that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> okay, fair enough. They sent a letter saying that they detected something unusual happening on. I see. All right, well that's fair enough. That's I think that's acceptable. No, can, can I can I come clean? Well, basically, I downloaded an episode of something, which I was going to tape on the TiVo, but it didn't work. And it like cut off the last few minutes, and I'm like, well, I figure I'm entitled to download the whole thing from somewhere else. That's your story, and you're sticking to it, right? I think it's fair use. Uh, uh, come on. Hey, I, I, you, you know, you're preaching to the choir here, so uh, you, you get no complaints yeah. from me. But apparently, I was bit torrenting too long, and someone took notice. Mm. So. I don't think it was so much the download, but the distribution. I think that's the thing that they're concerned about. Right. It's the it's the uploading. Yes, exactly, exactly. But but as we've discussed, you can't download without uploading. So uh, so that effectively you know, could right. be the uh, could be the thing. All right, <laughs> MacWorld Expo, where you can see John and I. We're doing podcasts on Tuesday afternoon at four, I believe, or maybe four thirty. What did I say last week? I don't have them right in front of me. Uh, anyway, uh, and then Thursday afternoon at 2.30 and the podcast stage there in the North Hall. So you can see us do that. Uh, I'm doing my Running Your Mac Lean, Clean, and Mean session over in the West Hall for conference attendees only. And that is on Thursday morning. And this is, of course, of course all in January, January 5th through 9th. Uh, so yeah. Tuesday would be the 6th. Wednesday would be yeah. the 7th. And we'll have Cirque, okay, you know, to Mac. Cirque to Mac. The party's happening. We will have a contest for tickets. There is a contest running for Macworld Expo tickets. Send your haiku in to haiku at macobserver.com, and we will evaluate them and choose a winner for a Platinum Pass. Not, not a Platinum Pass. Sorry. A Power Tools Pass and a User Conference Pass. So 
Send in your haikus, and uh, may the best haiku win, because it, it will. That's kind of how it goes. Mm-hmm. iPhone Alley is the home of Michael Johnston. Not really his home, but it's his home on the web. And he converts this to AAC for you, so hopefully I didn't screw it up enough so he's able to convert it to AAC and make that all work well. Cashfly Hosting provides all the bandwidth for the podcast. The podcast marketplace includes the A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, BB Edit from Barebones Software, Smile on My Mac has Text Expander, Disc Label, and PDF Pen, Notebook from Circus Ponies, AudiblePodcast.com slash MacGeekGab will get you one free download and a two-week free trial, and Devin Think from Devin Technologies at devin-technologies.com all through the Backbeat Media Podcast Network. And I'm in the uh, ground zero of the Backbeat Media Podcast Network right here because this is uh, where all those sales happen. So contact them if you need uh, Contact us if you need anything. iTunes comments. We like those, right, John? Didn't we say that already? I love them. You sure about that? Mm-hmm. All right, that's good. I think we might have been. So you have any? Uh, yeah. yeah, you have any shootouts there? You're in Texas, right? No, 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 no shootouts. It's all good here. Everybody's laid down. Everybody's happy. Not everybody. We all try to be happy. I'll be happy when I get to sleep tonight. If you're bit torrenting, you know, uh, don't get caught. Made up.